Working as an FBI special agent was my dream job. My whistleblowing was apolitical and in the spirit of upholding my oath. Nonetheless, the FBI cynically elected to close ranks and attack the messenger. The FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. We are all examples of that. Joining us now are Steve Friend and Garrett O'Boyle. Thanks for joining us, fellas. FBI whistleblowers Steve Friend and Garrett O'Boyle both join us now. Gentlemen, so glad to have you on the program. Thank you for your testimony. We need more folks like you, and I'm sure more people are going to be from your background are going to be giving you guys more intel as you're sharing that with the rest of us. We can kind of see that this is becoming normal for them to be held accountable because I think especially an institution that we pay their salaries, they need to be held accountable. I think a lot of people do share our, our beliefs and convictions. I think they just aren't at the point that Steve and I and others have gotten to. They're too afraid. Thank you so much for being a guest here on PBD Podcast. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. us. How big is that bloody flag that Steve's got? He's stole all of his house. Lots of love, guys. Thanks very much for joining us. Steve Friend, Garrett O'Boyle. Thank you for being with us this morning. More importantly, thank you for speaking out. We appreciate it. age but facts are in short supply reject the noise ask bold questions and pursue the truth with fbi whistleblowers and founding suspendables garrett o'boyle and steve friend this is the american radicals podcast this is the american radicals podcast episode number two We've burned the ships. No retreat. Garrett, you look like you survived Thanksgiving week. Uh, how, how, how'd you make out, man? Did uh, Was there lots of turkey or was there lots of steak? <sighs> Unfortunately, there was lots of turkey and lots of turkey remains. And I will say, as awful as turkey is as a beast, as a creature, as a specimen of God's creation, uh, it was pretty good as far as turkey goes. I'll give it that. It was smoked and brined so as far as turkey goes it was all right but hey we give thanks nonetheless even though we didn't have steak this year what about you do you have some turkey last or the other night i had all the turkey man and, and so folks understand this is an ongoing debate that's it's been circulating amongst our group of the suspendables uh apparently i'm the only one i'm in the vast minority who enjoys turkey turkey is my favorite and uh, I guess I'm like Mitt Romney, who says hot dogs are his favorite meat. <laughs> Turkey is my absolute favorite. I look forward to Thanksgiving every single year. I actually look forward to the few days after Thanksgiving because that's when the turkeys go on sale. So I can just get my bulk supply and throw them in the deep freezer and have turkey well into the new year. Uh, my wife has got it locked in. She's got it dialed in for me. And uh, she was actually out of town with my, my kids. They were at my in-laws. I had a couple days staycation. Uh, was on uh, Bachelor Fantasy Camp, and I had to make my own turkey, which, look, they, they pre-cook it. You just toss it in the oven for a couple <laughs> hours. Uh, but I, I did pretty good. Uh, hammered about, I don't know, three, four pounds of it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. I mean, if anything, it's solid protein. It's lean protein. Uh, what about what about Thanksgiving sides? Are you, are you a sides guy at all, or are you just all about the turkey? Man, I, I am all about the turkey. That, that's why I love the holiday, because I have no competition, for the most part, for turkey. Plus, this I like true. the white meat. So yeah. definitely no co competition. And then, you know, you guys give me a hard time. I, I eat pretty clean, and generally all the sides are bad for you. So I, I stay yeah. away and just concentrate solely on what I want. And 
here's the, here's the other question. Are you, when you have multiple items on your plate, are you like very one attack one area at a time, or are you mixing mashing and, and getting some sort of conglomerated goo all together in one bite? By the end, it's, it's a good, it's a solid mixture, which is probably my favorite way. But when I start out, I, I will eat everything a little bit separate, but yeah, midway through the meal towards the end, it's all getting mixed. And, uh, I, I enjoy it that way. Put a little <laughs> gravy on top of everything. You're good to go. I mean, I pretend like I'm in a prison cafeteria with different slots. I need spacing in between one bite at a time of one item eaten to completion and then moving on. I'm super organized. I'm like a beautiful mind. When it comes to eating like Thanksgiving <laughs> food. But hey, we hope that everybody joining us today uh, enjoyed their Thanksgiving. It's certainly a very American holiday. was having sort of an offline discussion with somebody else, and I said, I think Thanksgiving might be more American than the 4th of July when, it, when you actually look at what you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be contemplating, what you're supposed to be considering, and the way that they've sort of evolved. Uh, you know, July 4th is, is now commercially, it's fireworks, let's blow stuff up. Uh, make some hot dogs by the pool, enjoy the summer. And then if you look at the the commercial atmosphere around Thanksgiving, it's still about family. It's still about getting together. And I think just about everybody says at least one thing that they're thankful for, which is absolutely what we're all about. Uh, so I'm thankful that anybody uh, has seen fit to join us for episode two. And we're off and running here. I do want to start with, uh, I, I, I think we, we promised this in the first episode, a little bit of an explanation. We always refer to ourselves as the suspendables. And, and I think we should illuminate anyone who comes to join us and might be new, what that actually means. So we're going we're gonna to get into what is a, a suspendable and the, the characteristics of a suspendable and apply them to folks who we, we hope would, would hold similar values in positions of power today. So to start, the suspendables was a joke between myself, Garrett, Kyle Serafin, and a few others who have who've kind of been uh, unnamed who are in our inner circles. And we all sort of became suspended FBI agents or employees, looked around and realized very much like Liam Neeson in Taken that we had a unique set of skills that might not be applicable for anything other than being an FBI agent. And I jokingly said, we should start a mercenary organization and very much like the Sly Stallone film, the, the trilogy, or now it's got four films. We would be like the Expendables, only we would call ourselves the Suspendables. Well, wouldn't you know it, the New York Times, Alan Fior picked up on that, put it in the newspaper of record, and we figured it's time to sell some merch. So we did, and uh, and, and it's, it's expanded beyond that, and we, and we refer to it sort of in jest, sort of seriously, but uh, I would like to toss this over to Garrett. What do you think are the character traits of a suspendable? I think um, at its at its core, it it's so simple. It's so simple at the core. It boils down to: Are you going to do the right thing no matter what? And it, it's it's such a simple thing. We've been told this, or most of us have been have been taught this or told this our whole life. Like I can think back. Uh, to when I was a child, like probably around kindergarten, first grade. And I, I remember my parents saying, you know, something to the effect of what, what will you do when no one is looking? Uh, and that is really what it boils down to. Like, that's what integrity boils down to. That's what, what doing the right thing boils down to. And then, you know, for me with my faith, um, of course, God, 
he knows everything and he sees everything. He sees everything that you're doing, everything that you're thinking. Uh, there's no secret. And so whether you think you can hide it from man or not, uh, God still knows. And that's ultimately who you're going to have to account to uh, in the end. But that's what it boils down to for me is it doesn't matter who's looking. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter what they're thinking, what they're not thinking. It matters to you to do the right thing. And it's such a simple, basic um, premise. And then I guess like along this whole whole journey, um, it, it, it actually gets easier as you go because you just lean into it more. You just say, okay, FBI, you're going to cancel me for doing what was right. You're going to cancel me for um, upholding my oath. You're going to cancel me for taking the appropriate steps to provide protected disclosures to Congress. Uh, okay. Go ahead, uh, because your soul, your uh, integrity, it's not worth that biweekly direct deposit. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. I, I still do. I mean, I, I still don't have a, a paycheck, you know, a, a living wage, so to speak. And that's okay. You know, um, maybe if, if straights get more dire, you know, um, we'll, we'll figure it out. And the Lord will provide. And we're going to just continue to do the right thing. That's that's all you can do. Um, but speaking of our friend Alan Fuhrer, didn't you run into him uh, in person? Can you can you uh, revel us with with that tale? I did. I did actually. It was the morning after the police state film premiere that you and I attended with some others, and was going to the uh, Palm Beach International Airport. I had to fly to New York City for a speaking engagement. Walked through, had my suspendables gear on, T-shirt, ball cap, and this gentleman came up to me and said, "Excuse me, are you Steve Friend?" At which point, I'm unarmed, man. I'm in the I'm in the airport, getting a little bit getting a little bit nervous. I mean, obviously, I I figured that the air marshals who surveil me probably could have my back if there was any sort of violence, but I identified myself, yes, and that's when he told me that he was Alan Fewer, and he asked me to uh, sit down and have a cup of coffee with him. Um, and he, he actually said, look, I pay attention to you. Uh, I'm, I'm listening to things you say. And I figured you're in somebody wearing that gear. It had to be you. And I said to him, well, there's actually a few of us. Uh, so you maybe should listen a little bit closer. I'm not going to talk to you today, but you can make an appointment. Uh, uh that's so, what I was going to ask. I was going to say, did you sit down for that cup of coffee? Um, it is interesting that he recognizes the, the logos, the, uh, this suspendable symbols though. So maybe we are starting to make a dent. And, um, somebody asked me recently if I would be willing to talk to somebody from the other side. And I was like, you know, there really shouldn't be uh sides here because, uh, someone in your position or my position, we only needed a reasonable belief, uh, to, go to Congress and make the protected disclosures that we made. And someone like yourself or myself or Kyle, having been in law enforcement uh, for a number of years, uh, each of us, pretty sure we are reasonable people. And when we see a directive or um, a threat tag or you name the number of things we all, you know, you know, we combine to, to whistleblow about, um, it, it's, pretty basic to have a reasonable belief of something that you can articulate as to why you think there's some type of malfeasance going on. But it's like, yeah, I would actually talk to Alan Fuhrer, uh, but he probably wouldn't let me proofread the article that would turn into a hit piece before publishing. You know, I'm sure they would take things out of context, but that's still something I'm still, 
I'm open to doing because I, I don't, you know, I don't want this to be about sides. You know, obviously at our hearing, they turned it into uh, this side versus that side. And it's like, that never should have been the case. But, you know, obviously I think that was the experience for both of us. I agree with you. I, I've talked to Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, and you would think that they're, they come from the left side of things, but they're just journalists, right? They might cover items that uh, appeal to an audience that tends to lean left, that sort of further their narratives that they, that scratch their id of their belly. But those guys were completely fair. They were blown away by the information. And I thought that they wrote some of the better pieces on any of us that anybody's yeah. put out there. And I think it's because they're pursuing it more objectively or even disproving their own beliefs. And, and they have the, the, the fortitude and the courage to question things like you would expect from a journalist. Right. And, yeah. And, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I said I, I, I like the fact that you said that it's gotten a little bit easier. And I think it sort of sets you can kind of put it a little bit more on autopilot when you have your set beliefs and just go go through with them and uh and i have this this challenge coin that i keep with me it was actually given to me over a year ago at the first event that i spoke at and it was a retired fbi agent said he carried it with him for 29 years and it's a leadership test and i think that this is something that what i think of a suspendable these are the this is basically the questions you should ask of yourself and is am i doing the right thing at the right time in the right way and for the right reason if those are the qualities of leadership i think that those are the sorts of questions we should be asking of the those who have been elected to office or appointed to something and we can examine it through that lens and decide if maybe they are doing things the right way at the right time for the right reasons. And, and then we can grade them on that. So I, I, I think we, we can transition to, to the examples that you, that we've chosen that we want, we want to bring up and, and talk about, but before that, make sure that you visit Garrett's sweatshop folks, because we're talking about the suspendables today. You can wear it on your shirt sleeve. Actually, Garrett, uh, I know that you have a uh, black Friday sale that went up. Can you tell us a little bit about what you got going on? Yeah, so if you use uh, code BLACK, very simple. Um, I picked BLACK because it, it's kind of a, a twofer there. It's Black Friday sale for a few days. And then also to remind you about how dark the uh, souls and hearts are of people in the FBI, especially when they cancel uh, whistleblowers who, at least in my case, they had already known that I didn't do what they claimed I did, but they, they canceled me anyways. But anyways, uh, a couple new things available on the merch site. If you click on catalog, if that's, if that, if you can, I don't know. If, yeah, there you go. Um, and just scroll a little bit. Uh, I put that uh, up there on the right uh, night ops bundle. That's new and available. So it's the limited edition um, night ops PT shirt. You can hardly see it. I think uh, if people are messing around on their own, they could probably click on it and zoom in a little more. But it's basically like the gray PT shirt, except in black. So it's a black shirt with black print. And then you get a black patch and black um, Ranger panties with the black suspendable badge on it as well. And then you can pick one of the darker hats. So either a black hat, a charcoal and black hat, or a black multicam hat, which is what I'm wearing today. And then um, you may have seen I'm wearing a hooded sweatshirt. I don't know uh, if... if you could see the Suspendables logo, but I, I put up two different hoodies. That one is the thick um, winter hoodie, 
and uh, you're going to need that in Nineveh, you know, my home, my homeland. Um, <laughs> it's very warm, very comfortable. I've, I've worn it a few times already. And then that green and, and uh, charcoal one is the one I'm wearing today as well, available with the badge or the Betsy Ross S. So put some new things up there just in time for the Black Friday sale. Uh, but yeah, the-suspendables.com, get yourself some merch. But you guys have been keeping me busy. Like I was telling Kyle and Steve, I just got caught up on Wednesday. I was completely caught up. And then uh, I'm already like eight or nine orders in the hole, um, which is a good, it's a good problem to have. So I appreciate Absolutely, man. I appreciate everybody uh, getting some merch and keeping us busy over here. Sure, sure. It'd be great for Christmas. Uh, and I know my mom uh, was was going through it and then getting everybody everything that she could. So, folks, make sure you go to the-suspendables.com, support Garrett, and uh, advertise that you are, in fact, somebody who's willing to do the right thing at the right time in the right way for the right reasons. Speaking of, let's move to our first. Actually, it's two individuals. And I think we have a video prepared here that I would like to get uh, your reaction to uh, Garrett. We can, we can speak to it. These, uh, this is our, well, my former boss uh, and your current boss, director, Christopher Ray, and he's under fierce interrogation by Senator Lindsey Graham. And, uh, and, and, and let's, let, let's roll this one. If the committee decided to say increase by a hundred million dollars, your budget, could you spend it wisely? I can assure you that any money that this committee thinks good uh, sees fit, I promise it'll be good to yeah, be I, I, I believe you. What I want the American people to know is that the budget request for the FBI is below inflation. Do you agree with that? Uh, it sounds like it. Yeah. After listening to you <laughs> and everything you say is legitimate concern, you have a lot to do. Do you think the committee should look at increasing your budget? What we really need are, are more resources uh, okay. more than anything Well, count else. me in for more resources uh, to help you deal with this threat as well as other threats. And that's Jesse Kelly. He uh, he talked about this a few weeks ago. He, he examined it from a different lens that I would like to. Uh, and here's the thing. There's a lot to say from just that clip. I think we could probably fill a show or 12 on our feelings about funding the FBI, uh, about Christopher Wray. Uh, I think that it's worth, though, looking at Senator Graham, the senior senator, I believe, from South Carolina. And that guy's got a track record that I, I think uh, he's, he's made just about everybody angry at, especially recently. Um, he is a, no question about it, a, a neocon type, loves him some more. He was, he actually had a, Failed presidential run in 2016. Uh, failed to make the the big stage. Was on the it was on the kitty table, and was when it got down to Ted Cruz and to Donald Trump, he endorsed Ted Cruz, who he was outwardly and had a lot of animosity towards because he said he hated Donald Trump so much, so much to the effect that Donald Trump got his cell phone and then doxed him. He shared his personal <laughs> cell phone with all of his followers. And then now has come around to be, you know, a, a go-along guy for for former President Trump. So clearly, allegiances do not run very deep with him. Lindsey Graham has been a cheerleader, significant for the, the the war that's gone on in Ukraine. Can't wait to fly over there. He said that we need to bomb Iran uh, and get involved in World War III. So just a whole bunch of problems with Lindsey Graham. Um, but what he's talking about here is. 
these are two people who are in a position of authority that are having a fake conversation on TV in the most contrived way possible. And he's actually saying that the FBI is, is getting less funding, even though we're giving them more because of the inflation rates that Lindsey Graham caused with his work in the Senate. And he's going to justify it and, and say, you guys are doing such good work. How could that possibly be when, in fact, his best friend, Donald Trump, is under multiple investigations and had his house raided by the FBI? Yeah, this, I think, is a quintessential example of poor leadership, uh, at least from a suspendables point of view. So it, it actually was gross to watch that exchange between Graham and Ray. Um, you know, you mentioned that that leadership coin you have and the questions to ask yourself on there. One thing Christopher Ray likes to say a lot is how the FBI does the right thing in the right way. Um, so pleading for more money uh, for, from Congress and suspending whistleblowers. And I mean, there's a, a litany of things. We, you know, we could just troll their Twitter feed all day and, you know, like you did on Thanksgiving uh, and reminded them that they didn't even wish a, thing, a happy Thanksgiving to the nation, but uh, they were all about, uh, you know, trans day of remembrance or whatever. And so it's, it's, uh, this is, this is what happens when a nation um, puts bitter for sweet or sweet from for bitter. I think it, that comes from Amos. And um, that's what we've done. That's what Lindsey Graham is doing there. That's not good leadership. And it's like, he is a quintessential example of part of the problem in this country where he just keeps getting elected over and over and over and over and has no true allegiances except to his own pocketbook by the sound of things uh, because government begets government. And so when he can have Ray up there and say, you know, it, it's below inflation what we're offering to give you. So it's like, hint, hint, we actually would like to give you more. And then, oh, could you spend a hundred million um appropriately and before ray even finishes his answer he's like i know you will and it's like this is disgusting this is pathetic and disgusting i agree and i'm kind of hung up on the one part of that challenge coin the right time the right time so clearly the fbi is at its lowest point from public perception in my lifetime i, I don't know if it, in its history you know, how long has the, the gallup poll actually been going and, and asking people do you approve of the fbi but let's just say for the sake of argument in my lifetime your lifetime this is the, the lowest level of approval uh at least since something like waco happened and you have a united states senator up there in a time uh in a down economy where people are struggling look i i do our grocery shopping uh, Thanksgiving dinner, they, they might be claiming that it costs less. It didn't cost less. I'm uh, consistently going to the grocery store and spending roughly 50% more than I was a few years ago to feed our family. And you are going to poo-poo the, the funding, the billions of dollars that you're going to give to the FBI, even though you're giving them a pay raise and say that because of the, the inflation, you, you wish you could give them more at a time where we're all struggling financially and at a time that this agency has shown itself to be an enemy to large swaths of the American people. Uh, and and it, it, I find it incredibly offensive and disconcerting that this is a guy you would think that it's he's supposed to be from the conservative side of things, right? He's He's got an R by his name, right? Theoretically, that's supposed to be the, the, uh, the conservative party now that most people who pulled the lever for a Republican, I think are, are very unhappy with the FBI. And he's just 
spitting in their face here and, and saying, I'm going to throw more money at the agency that has put its boot to the throat of people who, I don't know, prayed outside of an abortion clinic or walk through the Capitol right. uh, or didn't even walk in. We're, we're out, we're outside. Yeah. They're, they're public enemy number one though, um, today. And this, it's another, it's a great example again of, uh, the uniparty and the problem with politics in this country in general is the politicians, they don't, man, they, it doesn't matter R or D they, they, they're going to DC primarily, not, not all of them, but the vast majority, I truly do believe this. They're going to DC for themselves. And Somebody like Lindsey Graham, I think why I'm so disgusted at that clip is because it doesn't matter if it's a hundred million to the FBI, it doesn't matter if it's countless millions to Ukraine or Israel or wherever. Uh, but hey, what about the water in Ohio from that train crash? Um, or what about the crisis at our own border? Or what about uh, the fentanyl deaths happening every day in this country? But oh you know, we don't really care about those problems. Like, yeah, those are drop in the bucket, man. Drop, drop yep. in the bucket. We, we got trillions to spend and this is just a pittance that we're going to put out there. Um, so let's, let's sort of move off of Lindsay and, and maybe move to the other, the other chamber. Uh, well, I mean, let's put it this way. Lindsay would not like two gentlemen, uh, such as ourselves to move off of him, but we will. And uh, I think that this is, this is worth, looking at uh, the other chamber of, of, of Congress, and, and that's the House, which recently voted uh, 70 Republicans to give the FBI a new headquarters, uh, I think in the amount of 300 to three, I think it was 375 million that I saw was circulated, and, and that's not gonna cover it. Uh, it's been reported that this building is going to be larger than the Pentagon, and they, they elected a, a site that's gonna be near DC, so it'll be outside of the city limits, so they can say, we're not in the swamp anymore. Meanwhile, everybody that works at headquarters uh, doesn't have to move, pick up the move, they can just take it. And, and my question is, and I'll actually have to do this, is it closer or further away from Reagan's or Manassas than the Hoover building is? Because that's really gonna dictate Christopher Ray's Friday afternoon, because we know he likes that plane and if it's close to Manassas, he, I, I would think he's he's going to say, okay, fine, I'll save the save the taxpayers some money here. Not that that's really his particular uh, priority, but you know, if he could avoid the the headache from from the suspendables calling him out for making the airplane fly twelve minutes from Manassas to Reagan to pick him up, yeah. and then fly him home for the price of I don't know two hundred bucks, the Southwest ticket that he can have an aide go and look up on on orbits.com and then report that back to the government and refund the American taxpayers 200 bucks for uh, a flight pattern that costs, I don't know, 30, $40,000 every weekend because the FBI director likes to fly home for a day and a half and then be flown back. But remember, Steve, as he so adamantly uh, screamed when he was questioned about this, I am required to fly on this plane i am required oh so you can't you're the fbi director you can't say that's a bad policy not in the best interest of the american people save for maybe some very critical moments uh that might happen maybe i just fly coach like everybody else in the fbi does yeah i don't think he flew up to buffalo for that uh potential a terrorist attack i think he just kept his butt at home over thanksgiving break and, and wasn't getting on the uh on, on, I don't know, it's $40 million jet.
Yeah. Uh, but we'll, let's let's profile one of these fine gentlemen that uh, that that put this out there. This is Rich McCormick. He is from Georgia, my home state, and uh, he actually had temporarily, at least, the guts to put out a statement publicly while riding in the backseat of a privately driven car on his way to a party uh, in Washington, D.C. for the Marine Corps. He felt obliged to share this. Let's give it a listen. Got a lot of events today. Today is the Marine Corps birthday, so I'm going to make this tight. There's a lot of people complaining about not voting to defund the FBI headquarters. I want to address that real quick. First of all, we are not the party of defunding law enforcement. That's not us. The FBI does some real work to keep us safe. Without the FBI, we would have had another 9-11 several times already. I got several buddies of mine who uh, were in the uh, Marines that now are in the FBI that do great work. 99% of what the FBI does is needed to keep you and your family safe. If you're going to defund a headquarters that's gonna be built outside of DC, which we say we want to do with bureaucracies, move them out of DC, how are you gonna do that without the funding? That's already appropriate. This does not expand the budget. This is needed funds to do its job. You don't get rid of the Boy Scouts because you got a bad Boy Scout troop leader. You don't get rid of the Catholic Church because you have a bad priest. You fix the problem. We got to do our job. Let's not get crazy. Let's have a real talk about real consequential results. And let's keep our family and our nation safe. Thank you. Let's keep our nation and our family safe. Man, that's a less than a minute, and he threw out a lot of stuff. Uh, I'll let you you kind of choose your adventure on this one, Garrett, and, and lead the conversation here. Let, let's start with safety. It's all about your safety, Steve, because, oh, let me just become like the radical left and fearmonger to get you afraid. Because what, the FBI, they can't, quote unquote, keep us safe from the Hoover building? I mean, they've been doing just fine there. And I know they there have been complaints about the Hoover building for many years, if not decades at, by now, that, oh, it's in disrepair. Okay, so is the FBI. The FBI is in utter disrepair. So he says, let's not get crazy uh, and let's have real conversations. Okay, Rich, let's have a real conversation from people like us who worked in the FBI. Let's actually try to fix some of the problems. He, he says that himself, let's fix the problems. Okay, you aren't. You aren't fixing the problems. You haven't done anything to fix the problems yet. Uh, so I don't care whether the money is appropriated or not already. You can misappropriate it then and say, no, you're not getting it. And that's what you should be doing. And that's how you should have voted, Rich. But he's too busy. Just the whole aura. The, the, what I thought at first was, what is wrong with the discernment of the American voter? As soon as you hear that guy start talking... Aren't the alarm bells going off? Aren't you thinking very car salesman-y? And this is the guy we elect? Like, we only have ourselves to blame for a lot of this, to be honest. And he doesn't present a compelling case if you go beyond the surface at all. And, and, and a lot of it's actually on the surface. Like I said before, he's riding in the backseat of a privately driven automobile on his way to an event. And he can't wait to tell you that he's going to a Marine Corps birthday event uh, and and. I, I definitely want to get your reaction to to the uh, playing up your your veteran status. I think that uh, as a vet yourself, you you have some unique perspective on that. But before we get to that, he says that he has friends in the FBI, and they tell him that that things are good. Obviously, they're doing good work. Well, if they're doing good work, they're not doing it at headquarters, right? And if they are at headquarters then they're not doing any work that's relevant to what the American people expect. So that's just 
not not a solid sound argument right. to make. It's, it's a huge misnomer. And if Correct. he actually does have friends at the FBI, he's not mentioning where they are, where they are out there doing that work. But you're absolutely right. It's not a headquarters. Headquarters no. is where people go to try to get promoted and, yeah. and fool and, around and his, on their spouses for 18 months while they're away from home. If his friends are in headquarters in Washington, D.C., then I have to question the circle of people that he's surrounding himself with. What's what, where's where's his, what's his judgment? Or unless he he thinks that they're an objective force for good, uh, which I think that they are definitely not. And then he throws out the the ninety nine percent ninety nine percent of the FBI is good. Uh, that that's not true. But let's just say the good congressman is one hundred percent accurate with his assessment of the problem. There are forty thousand employees in the FBI. That would mean one percent of them are bad which would mean 400 people in a position with a gun and a badge and the ability to take your freedom, most likely making the decisions from headquarters, which is what this is concerning, their new building, 400 of them are in a position to do that, and they are nefarious in nature. And he thinks that's a-okay. Right. Let's, let, let's just move on. So yeah. your, your own mathematics <laughs> belie you there, Rich. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and and to his veteran status, look, he, he threw out the Marine. I get I get it. I, I'm not a Marine. Uh, I, I know some. You're always a Marine. You're never a former Marine. It's a big deal. Uh, major respect. I, I believe that uh, Congressman McCormick did 20 years in the military combined between the United States Marine Corps and the United States Navy. He was a pilot of some kind. He can't wait, though, to tell you. He's, he's very much like a CrossFitter or a vegan. <laughs> wait five minutes and he'll tell you he was a he was a military pilot. Mm -hmm. uh, I have some contacts in his district who sent me billboards that he has where he's walking around with his goofy helmet. And it says, you've got a problem with a federal agency. Talk to me, Goose. But silliness aside, I almost feel like it's stolen valor when you use it to attain elected office and not say, look, I, I sacrifice for the country. I'll continue to sacrifice. I learned valuable lessons on leadership. And I'll apply those skills. When you, the first thing out of your mouth is, "Well, I, you know, as a veteran, mm -hmm. I, I just it just screams like you said, use car salesman." I, how do you feel as a as a military vet on that? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that approach. Um, it's kind of like the whole appeal to authority type of thing or appeal to experience. And there may be a time and place for that, but when that's your lead, like I don't know, for me, you kind of lose credibility right out of the gates. Um, uh, you know, we we just had Veterans Day not not too long ago, and around Veterans Day, there's a number of businesses who have sales, or like if you have a you know military ID or you know VA ID or retired ID, like you can get discounts on food or whatever. I never go to any of those things, and I'm not saying veterans shouldn't. Like it's that's cool if a business is going to recognize it, but I always thought like I didn't join the military for the GI Bill. I didn't join the military to get a discount at Denny's. Um, I'm grateful for those things when they, when they come and when they do happen. Uh, but I think of somebody like Rich McCormick, and I think, man, I've encountered that type of quote-unquote leader in the military uh, in other parts of my life, and they're the worst. They're the guy that nobody ever wants to work for because it's all about themselves. And... Uh, I have this book. I know. I know you've read it. I know Kyle has because I sent him a copy shortly before he got canceled uh, by the FBI. It's called "The Mission: The Men and Me." We'll, maybe we'll do a deeper dive in there someday. But 
Uh, Rich McCormick should give that a read uh, because when he's saying, I'm a veteran, uh, you're putting yourself first, my man. You're putting yourself before the mission. Um, you're making this appeal to how great you are for some choice you made to join the Marine Corps and or the Navy. And, you know, you did 20 years. So, you know, a hat tip to you for, for that. Like, we do need career military folk. Um, but when you're using that at more as a stepping stone into your political career, into your smoozy car sales mini type leadership for your district, which it's again, it's like, what's wrong with the people there? Who was this guy up against if he was the, the best one? Like, we, it, it shows the serious leadership problem that we have in this nation. And I think of uh, of of the mission, the men and me, like it's mission first then your people and yourself last. That's the whole premise of leadership. Again, right there is putting yourself last. And I'm not seeing that from quote unquote leaders in this country. No. And here's something that's really dangerous. Obviously somebody like Lindsey Graham has been in the swamp forever. And I think eventually you just, your soul leaves you. You might go in with the, the best of intentions, but it's unavoidable at this point. Our, our, our social compact has been broken by the federal government to such an extent that I don't know if anyone can show up and do the work of the American people in Washington, D.C. for any extended period of time and not wind up losing their way. You just have to compromise so many times. Rich McCormick is a freshman congressman from Georgia. This is his first tour. He's been there less than a year, and he's already making these, these, these schmoozy deals. Um, again, I know people in his district that is a very very conservative district and he obviously played up his military veteran status uh, because that pulls in their heartstrings we we had the same thing in my area uh you know my, my my district was actually because florida added a couple of congressional districts due to the the most recent population surge here uh, i got redistricted by like two blocks <laughs> into the next one both of the, my my older congressmen, my form, former congressman, who I brought some of my whistleblower disclosures to, and then my current, they're both vets, both special forces guys, um, and and not saying anything about how they're governing, um, that goes a long way because I think most people just see that on their resume and think like, hey, that's my Huckleberry right there. Right, he's gonna go there and do the right thing, and and I that's always actually kind of a concern to me when. Uh, these guys who are vets go to Congress, not to say that they can't be great and be, be awesome, but they're used to following orders a lot. They're not really, are, 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 do they tend to be libertarian? Like I, in your experience as an enlisted guy, were, were the guys just following orders more often or are they more critical thinkers? Uh, in my experience, and, and I was in the infantry, you know, infantry gets ragged on for being dumb. Um, and there definitely were some real knuckle draggers, um, I consider myself to be one, but sometimes people tell me otherwise. And uh, there also were some very bright people. I still know some people who have made it a career, and um, I talk to them occasionally. And they, uh, like, yeah, in the military, the the rank structure and and leadership structure is a lot more regimented. Um, but I would say, in my experience, like, if there was a, a, a real problem people would speak out and speak up. And I think of a first sergeant I had, he actually ended up getting removed um, shortly before our deployment in Afghanistan ended because there are a number of issues. And I was actually talking to Heidi about this recently. 
And she was like, oh, you were a whistleblower a lot longer ago than, than we thought, because I played a part in that going to, I was just an E5 sergeant. And I remember going to my uh, platoon sergeant and another platoon sergeant um, in, in our company and, and saying, hey, there's a real leadership problem here, you know, and I think enough people spoke up and that, that guy ended up getting removed. Uh, it didn't stop him from getting promoted again uh, down the road. So he went from a first sergeant E8 to a sergeant major E9. I'm sure that's probably what he retired as. But um, yeah, in my experience, it, it was overall libertarian minded people um, who took the duty very seriously especially in in our in our chosen um military occupational specialty like you're the one going to war you know like you're the one fighting and so maybe like i think of myself um when i enlisted i had this different idea of um it's probably like delusions of grandeur like like oh you know my my country's going to war or is at war it's it's my uh generation's time you know and then uh, it didn't take long, especially probably during my first deployment, to realize the gravity of that and the seriousness of that. And by the time I got back from Afghanistan, and I know this is true with a lot of vets, like war is necessary sometimes. War is just sometimes. But it must be the absolute last option. And, you know, whether it's Lindsey Graham or even Rich McCormick, I don't know what his record is like on Ukraine or, or Israel or other places, but... Um, they don't they're they're the leadership position that they're in they're the ones who decide if america's sons and daughters are going to go die and i don't think they really take that seriously enough and i think that should be at the front of their mind for all sorts of their votes like it's a if it's a new headquarters for the fbi that's a consequential vote maybe it's not as consequential as sending america's children you know our our, our young our young generation um overseas to fight somewhere uh but they should they should take them all as seriously because you know along the veteran lines thing i think of some of the leaders i had in the army who were great who i consider to have been really great leaders they exhibited this this leadership style where they weren't they really weren't going to ask you to do something that they wouldn't do themselves they really weren't going to order you to do something that was wrong they really weren't um going to put you in a position where you had to either follow the order they gave or um go against them and report it to a higher chain of command and then i think of the bad leaders i had and oftentimes they had that attitude like rich mccormick um thankfully i was never in a position where i was given an order that i thought was overtly illegal like hey let's go kill this village of people which that that type of thing has happened um I think I've mentioned, I don't, I'm sure I mentioned it in a podcast at some point. I have a book called Black Hearts on my, on my shelf. It's about the 101st Airborne Division and some war crimes that they committed in Iraq. Uh, there's another unit from the 2nd Infantry Division. They committed war crimes in Afghanistan. So it happens. Bad leadership is all around us, which is why it's even more imperative for us to call it out and weed it out and root it out. And that includes people like Rich McCormick. Yeah, I, I think that there's a certain element to, to recognizing where you are in the in the pecking order and in the actual authorities that are at your fingertips. And we always talk about you know, being suspendable and, and doing the right thing, the right time. And I think that you you obviously had the same sort of sense of you wanted to serve 
in some way. And it was an easier decision when your interests overlapped with that. It's not necessarily as easy a decision when that doesn't happen. And when I say that, like you join the army, and not it wasn't something that you didn't want to do. You wanted to join the army and go be serving the infantry. And, and so that was great, man. That, that Venn diagram was a complete circle for you. You were serving and people say, thank you for your service. And you, you probably, I would imagine knowing you, you probably felt a little bit guilty. You're like, Hey man, I, I love my job. So right. don't thank me. Same mm -hmm. thing for me and for you with law enforcement. I loved my job yeah. and you know, I, I kind of felt guilty if you, if I'm going to go into the stolen valor thing again, you know, you get the, those discounts. I'm kind of like, <laughs> uh, man, I'm really getting over on them here. They're paying me to do this. This is yeah. great. So let me ask you a question about that real quick, because yeah. it, it goes, well, I think it touches on a number of things, but uh, where I worked, um, we have, we have gas stations called quick trip in Wisconsin and they're, they're kind of prominent around here, but um, their policy was to give uh, uniformed cops, firefighters, paramedics, military. There's not a lot of, of uniform military here, but uh, they, the, the corporate policies to give them free coffee. And when I got off training, like, I remember my FTOs, you know, drilling in me, like, you don't accept free things because it's, uh, it could be like a conflict of interest type of thing. And so, you know, I think I had some beef jerky, some gummy bears and a coffee and I go to check out and they're not charging me for my coffee. I'm like, I have to pay for the coffee. And they're like, well, it's our policy to not. And I'm like, and there's like a line behind me and I'm like, Dude, am I really going to get in an argument over a 75 cent cup of coffee from the clerk at the gas station who's just doing their job? And I'm like, all right. And so I just paid whatever. And like, I left like a tip, like in the coin thing, you know, and like, I got out to my car and I'm like, man, I, I didn't realize that would be such a dilemma for me. Like, <laughs> Did you guys have any gas stations or anything like that where you, where you ran into some type of moral decision that, that you had to, to, to Um, make? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had the watering holes and it's actually it's really smart for the quick trips or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. the Rob is that, that we, we used to call them stop. Yeah. <laughs> because cops are so shameless. So many of them about getting free coffee and free soda, they will just camp out there. But really, what is the, what is that? The store out They're out like a penny. Yeah. And a lot of times the cup, the cups they get are from Coca-Cola because they say Coca-Cola on them. So they're not even <laughs> buying the cups. Yeah. And what they have then is a line of cops that are there. So they're never going to get robbed. Mm-hmm. And then also they do what you did and you go through and you buy beef jerky and some gummy bears. So they wind up making money on you too. Yeah. So it wasn't, there, there wasn't the moral quandary. Uh, the, the, some of the bigger ones though, that really rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, there was a, I think it was a Papa John's. It was, it was some chain pizza place that said, you show up in uniform, we'll give you a free pizza. And guys would show up there and get lunch and then they would get dinner and then they would bring their family and they'd be getting like three pizzas a day and it was gross. And then my first uh, training officer, we, so I stopped my first call for service. We actually self self deployed it was just a, a field interview. He saw this vagrant and we, we went to go stop cause he said, Hey, we're going to practice your field interview skills. So we get done with this guy who was named Ronald McDonald, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he says, well, you're going to learn this sooner or later. We're going to milk this call. And he drove. <laughs> That's a, funny he, that he's teaching you that that early. <laughs> <laughs> he drove me down to the hospital where they gave free food to cops at the cafeteria. Mm. And that lasted. I don't even think we made it through my FTO. 
before that policy got canceled because so many cops they were coming from other precincts oh, to get man. food because it was you know hospital food is you know it could be gross but it, yeah, it has it some be. good options yeah yeah you do <laughs> and man i was like guys you just always ruin a good thing you always yep. ruin a good thing and you don't want to be compromised and uh and it was but it, it's funny that 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 goes on everywhere that's universal yep, yep. um and it's you know it, it, that that memory to me first day man he was like ready to jump on the curb when we got stuck in traffic because like it cut off at like five o'clock and it was like 4 30 <laughs> and he had to make it through rush hour traffic to get us there <laughs> but no i mean and so back to what i was saying though our interests lined up with that and i think now less so uh you you, you were like a warrior and then we were like peacekeepers together and now we're kind of like town criers <laughs> yeah and it, it's not a role that comes naturally to us it's not something that i ever sought out i don't think you ever sought out to do but mm -hmm. it falls to you so again it, it, are you doing it for the right reason are you doing it at the right time and in the right way and i i think that th those sort of things have intersected for us here which is why we've uh we've we've captured an audience and speaking of folks, make sure you you follow us here. Click the like button, thumbs up. Make sure, and and we appreciate you your your time and patience and attendance with us. We, we're Gary and I are new to hosting our own show. You know, it's it's a little bit different when you're in the back of the boat being driven along. Uh, and I, I think that there's going to be learning learning scars along the way, but uh, we definitely have a leg up because we're coming in with an audience that has been faithful to the Suspendables. They've certainly supported. Uh, supported kyle for the last year they are now jumping in on you i know your 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 sweatshop is your your kids are working their fingers to the bone putting t-shirts out uh and then uh you know and look i'll shameless self plug i've got uh got the book out it is on amazon let me uh throw it up here and it is called true blue my journey from beat cop to suspended fbi whistleblower published in june of this year i actually wrote it i, I can't believe this i wrote it a year ago I actually sent it off to the publisher in November. So it's just a little bit over a year, maybe a couple of days change. Uh, and I haven't gone back and, and, and read it or anything like that. It was all edited down and, and good to go uh, and dropped in June and is now available on Amazon. You can get it in the uh, hardback copy uh, or the audible. If you're a listener like I am, I listen to a ton of audiobooks all the time when I'm uh, being an iguana and running 12 miles, love to listen to my books. So uh, yeah, I encourage folks to get it. it. It covers that story about Ronald McDonald, as well as, as the whistleblower experience I have. It's a, uh, it's an easy read. Uh, I'm the world's most okayest writer, not too many uh, long words in there, but uh, I do think it's, I've been told it's, it's an enjoyable read. So I, I appreciate it. Uh, I, if anybody is looking for an extra little stocking stuffer, for Christmas, uh, you can pick up a copy of that on Amazon, and it's pinned to the top of my social media profile. So, it is get... an enjoyable read. My, uh, I got it for my brother for his birthday. Um, wh what was the release day of your book in June? Was June fifteenth, it... I think. Okay, his birthday is the thirteenth, so I okay, I got it sent to him. I think I actually got him the Audible because he listens a lot as well, and he, and he really liked it. And yeah, folks, whether it's Steve's book. Suspendables merch. It's it's the holiday season. Good stocking stuffers, all of those things, as well as good gifts. So uh, we know you all support us, anyways. But we do appreciate it. Yep, uh, we all do. I want to uh, do one more story here as we're about ready to close this out here in a couple minutes. And final demonstration of leadership or lack thereof. 
And this one actually pertains to something that you were blowing the whistle about, Garrett. Uh, and uh, I'll pull it up right now. This is a, a statement that uh, came from the uh, FBI Birmingham office. This was on their Twitter page. Uh, and it was a few, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And it says, the FBI reminds you that sharing or forwarding a school threat can spread misinformation and cause panic. If you become aware of a school threat, notify authorities and let them investigate, but don't share or forward the information. That's pretty innocuous. I think it's it's probably a, a good thing to, 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 to put out there. You don't want people saying, uh, there's a uh, you know the threat and I'm going to share the threat to continue the threat from going. If it's situational awareness, you know, maybe I push back on them a little bit. They, they, but they want it filtered through them so that they can address that threat. But I do want to consider the source. This is the FBI Birmingham office. Special agent in charge is Carlton Peoples. Now, if anyone is unfamiliar with Carlton Peoples, his prior assignment was the acting deputy assistant director of the criminal division for the FBI. He was a headquarters guy, and he was the signee on the letter that went out to executives around the FBI concerning the hashtag EDU officials threat tag. Garrett, can you explain that to the audience? Yeah, so this is really, uh, at least from my recollection, the EDU officials threat tag is the one that kind of started this avalanche of FBI whistleblowers uh, going to Congress, or at least when Congress started releasing some of that information it was in october of 21 i remember seeing it on the news in wichita at the ra and i was like oh wow because they had they released the email and uh that was up there and we know that kyle was at least one of the people who was a whistleblower about that issue he's talked about that before and then um really what this does is again it goes to leadership at the national level in this country Merrick Garland recently testified again about this EDU officials threat tag because he was asked, I forget by who, Josh Hawley or somebody, if he would uh, rescind the memo that the DOJ sent um, regarding this, this fake issue of, of parents in this country uh, being domestic terrorists for going to school board meetings and for um, wanting to know the uh, curriculum that is being fed down their children's throats because it turned out uh, during COVID and later parents started paying a little more attention or hearing a little bit more on the Zoom calls and thinking, uh, why are they, why is my child learning about this? And um, so the FBI jumped on board and created a threat tag and they deny and obfuscate to this day about investigating parents at school boards, but we know they did. Uh, the FBI refused to provide any of that information. And when we testified, Jim Jordan, I think said it best. He said he believes that I was targeted in the way I was, at least in part, um, because they found out that I had whistleblown about this very issue um, because the FBI, again, was lying uh, to the American people and to Congress. Christopher Ray was lying to the American people and to Congress. Merrick Garland was lying to the American people and to Congress about whether or not they were investigating parents. We know they were. The, the receipts are in the hands of Congress as we speak um, because of me whistleblowing and uh, hopefully others as well. But it, it really does go to that, that leadership um, issue. I mean, th they're not even doing it in secret. 
they're doing it in the open, lying and obfuscating about what they are or aren't doing. That's that's completely backwards. They're elevating people who have now been demonstrably revealed to have failed when they were at a lower tier of leadership, like Mr. Peoples was, and they're elevating him and promoting him and not hiding that fact. And I and look again the, the tweet that went out i'm not saying that, that that was wrong but i do want to consider the source on it because i, I think that it's wholly inappropriate that uh, carlton peoples was elevated to a higher level uh, after having failed so badly and 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 so publicly when 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 you and kyle and others brought that information out there um I, the backlash was immediate and they had to cover it up and circle the wagons on that and which is why they went after the the messenger they went after you and and what was lost in that was that there were a couple of dozen parents who were mm -hmm. under investigation. And look, I, I told Matt Gates when we testified, I was sent to school board meetings and did surveillance. There was a definitely an attempt to marry this threat tag with other perceived domestic terrorists or, or let's say advertised domestic terrorists, right. uh, conservative leaning people, uh, as has been revealed by the new or not new, but newly revealed agave term the anti-government anti-authority violent extremist which if you read what the fbi was saying a couple of years ago when they co-authored a piece with it with the department of homeland security if you have a perception of government negligence or overreach or illegitimacy you will fall into that category so to give you some examples negligence southern border overreach uh you will have to get a clot shot to have a job uh, or illegitimacy, like, I don't know, lots of mail-in ballots that have never been done before is the safest and most secure election in the history <laughs> of the country. You know, I, I think those are reasonable questions not and, and reasonable points to make that anyone can make. Uh, and, and yet now those are deemed to be wrong think by our government. And then they are not going to hesitate to apply that to parents at school board meetings, which is, is why you blew the whistle, because you did the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. So final thoughts here, Garrett, as we close this out, um, I think that uh, we were talking before we started and you had a very appropriate uh, verse that you want to share. Yeah. So this, again, you know, this topic where we've been, we've been talking about leadership. Um, the best leaders are, are humble. The best leaders are servants themselves first. Uh, the best leaders, they lead by example. And it made me think of this passage in, um, John chapter 13, I'll just read a little bit of it, verses um, 12 through 17 or so, roughly. Uh, when So it's talking about Jesus here. When he, Jesus, had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And that stands out to me because Jesus is, he's knowing in his mind, in his head, that the, the time of his ministry on earth, is, his three years or so, is coming to an end. And he has this opportunity where he takes his disciples, all 12, and he washes their feet and then says, here's the example I gave you. And 
if Christ isn't the best example we can point to, then then there really isn't good ones. You know, we can talk about the mission, the men and me and Rich McCormick and and Senator Graham as as bad leadership examples and Chris Ray as bad leadership examples. And we can point to a number of other um, good leaders. And, and maybe we will soon, sooner rather than later. But um, th this example to me just really stood out as Steve and I were were preparing to to do today's episode. And um, it it actually reminded me like whether it's just leading my family or uh, in whatever leadership role we might find ourselves in, like lead lead them in the way that you would want to be led. Be be humble and and be a servant leader, and that really is going to help extract the best qualities out of everybody that you're going to become in, uh, in contact with. Agree on that one, man. Leaders lead by example. That's uh, something that, you know, my, my folks always ingrained into me. I don't care if it's on the little league baseball team, uh, or if you are director of the FBI or leading a combat infantry unit uh, to contact leading by example is something that I've always admired and always aspired to do. Uh, we do it in our own lives and our own households. We're called to lead as as husbands, as fathers. Look, I pick the dirty laundry up off the floor so that my sons see me do that, so that they do that to respect their mother. And, and that to me is, is the best form of leadership. So uh, I think we're going to leave it there today, uh, but I do want to uh, highlight one more thing. And, and you have an event coming up. Uh, I'm excited to share that. Uh, and and we'll, we'll launch that, that video here. Uh, and you can tell us a little bit about it after it runs. You're invited to the Heroes and Sacrifice Fargo Gun Raffle, presented by the Fargo Area Conservatives. Join us on Friday, December 8th. 20 fantastic firearms means 20 chances to win. Hear from our special guest, FBI whistleblower Garrett O'Boyle. Enjoy social hour starting at 5 and dinner at 6. Tickets are only $25 for this amazing event at the Avalon Event Center. Visit FargoGunRaffle.com for more information. Fantastic, man. Welcome yeah. to the public speaking circuit. I know you got to be excited to do that. Um, and uh, that's in a couple of weeks here. So yeah. uh, congratulations. Anything yeah, you want to share? Yeah. So I, I got contacted a few months back uh, for that. They were trying to get, I think, uh, any of us, me, you, or Kyle. And I'm the closest one uh, regionally. And I said, I think it was actually Kyle who put me in touch with, with the people. But um I was like, I'll do it. I mean, I'll just, I'll just drive there. Uh, it's about an eight hour drive. So yeah, Fargo, Fargo, North Dakota. So, Hey, if you're in the region, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, somewhere in there, uh, think about, think about heading out. We could meet in person. Uh, I'll be there. I'll, I'll speak a little bit and then they're going to have a, I think a directed Q and a for a little bit and it should be a good time. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, but, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for playing that. Yeah, man. Happy to do that. Uh, I've got my own events coming up. I will be in Charleston on December 14th for the Charleston Club. Um, I don't know how elite or you know hard it is to get in there. I've been told it's a pretty big event. I'll be at Fort Myers on December 9th. And then looking at going to Tennessee to ding some of the congressmen there that voted for the new, uh, the new FBI headquarters sometime in January. So filling up the calendar. But be that as it may, we will still continue to bring you the American Radicals podcast. Thank you very much, folks, for joining us for episode number two. This was great, Garrett. You can follow Garrett 
on all the socials at G-O-B Actual. You can follow me at Real Steve Friend, and you can follow the show at AmRadPod. Be sure to like and follow the show. We can keep this thing going. I'm thankful, folks. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, and uh, and we will see you here again for episode number three. You've been listening to the voice of the Suspendables on the American Radicals podcast. Follow us on rumble.com slash am 